Welcome to this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. Giacchino Rossini wrote his comic opera The Barber of Seville in 1816, basing it on the play of the same name by French playwright Beaumarchais. This was 30 years after Mozart wrote The Marriage of Figaro, which was based again on Beaumarchais' play of the same name. Both plays and operas feature the character of Figaro, valet to Count Almaviva in The Marriage of Figaro, and the barber of the title in The Barber of Seville. Also featured in both is Rosina, who has become the Countess in the second instalment of the story, and the Count. Houston Grand Opera mounted a production of The Barber of Seville in October 2011. Soprano Anna Maria Martinez sang the role of the young Rosina, with whom Count Almaviva is in love, and baritone Nathan Gunn sang the role of Figaro. Here's an excerpt from the interview I did with them for Houston Public Radio's daily art show, The Front Row. Anna Maria Martinez, Nathan Gunn, thank you very much for joining us. Welcome. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you. Thanks. The Barber of Seville. Anna Maria, the part of Rosina, tell us about who Rosina is and how you conceive of her. I think it, in a nutshell, she's a young Spanish girl, feisty, a great, great temperament, very witty, very smart. Uh, she finds herself uh, confined. Uh, she is living with her tutor, with um, Don Bartolo, and uh, she's, she's at that age where love is very much on her mind, and uh, she's experiencing falling in love for the first time with Lindoro. She thinks it's Lindoro. The poor student. The poor student, of course. So she's a great Spanish Spanish girl. What's the part like to sing? Um, challenging and also very rewarding. I think it's a beautiful part, but I'm trying to think of how to best describe it. And vocally, the range has to be quite, quite large. You've got to have a very comfortable command of your middle and lower registers, as well as a good top. And um, you have to be able to exclaim where, wherever it's sitting, and it sits in different places depending on the, the number that you're doing, whether it's an aria, duet, trio, quintet. You have to be very comfortable exclaiming your text. And I think that's the challenge here because uh, normally you hear it most most often with a mezzo-soprano uh, because it's just, it just sits a little bit lower than most sopranos are comfortable. But then you can interpolate a lot of high notes so that you give your voice that chance to go, oh, okay, thank you, when you're a soprano. <laughs> um, but it's it's quite quite tricky, but a lot of fun, because I think that her temperament and her character certainly come through in, in the musical writing. You've sung the role of, of, of the Countess mm-hmm. in Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro, and, of course, Rosina becomes mm-hmm. the Countess. Mm-hmm. How is Rosina in comparison to the Countess? I know that it's two different operas mm-hmm. by two different people, the sort of sequel actually being written before. But is there a a point of contact between Rosina and the Countess? I try to find it in moments where the Countess is with Susanna and Cherubino. I think that she and Susanna get along very well and that she identifies a lot with Susanna. And it's that that same um, quick wit and great sense of humor and uh, just very fast and very vibrant. When we meet the Countess in Le Nozze di Figaro, she's quite sad and disillusioned in love and I would say depressed. And that joie de vivre that we saw in um, Rosina, we don't really see in her. But I, I find that if, if you haven't really lived in the world of 
the Barber of Seville, it's harder to bring in that spunk. And I have actually had a little bit of a tug of war with stage directors when I've done The Countess because I really want to bring in that spunk in key moments, not where there has to be pomp and circumstance and all of that. It's um, where she really has to be quite formal in her title. No, then she has to be quite regal and quite serious. But when she's with Susana Carubino, absolutely. Uh, or even with Figaro when she's dialoguing with him. It's, uh, they're such good friends. They go way back. So there's, there's a lot of uh, opportunity to bring back that, that youthful joy. So Nathan Figaro, mm. knowing Rosina, he also has known the Count for a while. How do you conceive of, of Figaro, the Figaro that we see here in mm. the marriage uh, in Barbara of Seville. In the Barbara of Seville. Yeah, well, he's a, he's a working man. You know, he's he doesn't have family money to take care of him. He's he's come up with I think that's why he's a barber because barbers in those days did everything, you know. The factotum. Exactly. And uh, and so he that he he looks for opportunities and he creates opportunities and he's mostly just trying to make not make everybody happy. He's just trying to uh, work within a system that already exists, and because he's made himself in a lot of ways irreplaceable, he can get away with behavior that some others might not be able to get away with at times. But, you know, he's one of these guys who always is, he knows how to behave with each person. You know, I'm thinking about in the in the finale, the, the staging we do for the finale, the first act, the directors wanted us, as we move and have slightly different conversations during that finale, to have our body language express what a relationship is like with the person that we're facing at that time. And when you do that, you realize that, you know, at least I realize for my character, he's a very different person if he's facing Bartolo. He's a very different person if he's looking at Basilio, a very different person if he's dealing with Berta, the Count, and uh, Rosina. And uh, he just does what he needs to do to make sure, to facilitate what it is that they want, because all he wants is a uh, payday. He just needs money to be able to <laughs> continue on his way. What's his relationship with the Count, with Almaviva? Uh, I think he recognizes him as, he's probably worked for him at some other time. Uh, Almaviva is not from Seville, apparently, because he wouldn't normally have been there. He says that in the first recitative. He defers to him. He also tries to play games a little bit with him in order to, once again, get him to pay him for his services. But uh, the Count is definitely in charge. And Sometimes you don't get to see that because they often cut his, his aria at the very end of the opera. When we don't cut it, like we do in this, this particular production, you get to see him as the Count, and he's definitely in command of everything, and everybody does what he tells them to do. Hmm. Up to that point, you just see him playing different characters, and that's an interesting thing. We all play different roles. We don't act like you don't see really who we are until the very end of the opera, each person. And I know you've never sung the role of Figaro in the marriage of Figaro, mm-hmm. but you've, you've certainly sung the role of the Count. Are there differences between the Count and Figaro in those two operas? Have they, have they matured? Have they? Uh... Yeah, I would say so. You know how some people say when a young person becomes rich, they look older, <laughs> you know, mm. for some reason? I think the Count and the Countess aren't really that much older when you see them in Nozze di Figaro, but they have been burdened with responsibilities that their title forces upon them. And so they behave, what I think is happening is, with, particularly with a count, is he's behaving like he thinks he should behave in order to act like a count, rather than act like himself, which is what you see in, in you know, Barber of Seville. 
And Figaro, I think, is you see him as a man who's he never is trying to get anything. He has a wonderful position. He has the roles are a bit reversed. He's trying to do what uh, the Count was doing in, in the Barber of Seville. He's trying to do in Marriage of Figaro what the Count was doing in, in Barber of Seville. He's trying to get married to the woman he loves. Mm. And instead of Bartolo being the problem, it's the Count being the problem this time. It's another one. These stories all have so many twists and turns in it. And um, if you combine them, it gets even more complicated. You know, the irony I find interesting, especially if you know both operas really well. And where's Figaro at the end of this? He is um, rather pleased with himself, I think, you know, and... uh, but he's but he's he's plied his trade and he's done it well. And he has, and he's adapted. When there was a problem, he took advantage. Uh, you know, at the end, when the notary comes in, and he, uh oh, what are we going to do? Basilio's there, the notary. Aha! I've got an idea. Why don't we just get him married now? And then they run down there, make it happen. Boom, boom! The entire thing is solved in a matter of thirty seconds. And Rosina gets her man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think Figaro's quite the entrepreneur. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And. Uh, really knows how to uh, recognize, uh, uh, to take advantage of the situation when it arises, takes the uh, uh, initiative and manages it well. And obviously he does a good job because he gets a full-time employment with uh, the Count. As we find out in the Marriage of Figaro. That's right. Soprano Anna Maria Martinez and baritone Nathan Gunn from Houston Grand Opera's 2011 production of Rossini's The Barber of Seville. Well, that's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. Thank you for listening.